You are listening to the podcast from Mosaic Church. Stay tuned afterward for more info about how to get and stay connected with our church family. Now, let's dive into this week's message. Morning. Oh, yeah. The mic is working. I appreciate that. My name is Terrence Green, and I have the honor of serving here as one of the deacons, and I want to welcome you here to Mosaic this morning. I'm super, super excited to share God's word with you, and so as I would like you to please do, if you're willing and able, would you please stand with me as we read God's word for our message today, which is found in Psalm 96, verses 1 through 3, and I'm going to ask us to please read it together. We'll start at verse 1. Ready? Read, sing to the Lord a new song, sing to the Lord all the earth, sing to the Lord, bless his name, proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day, declare his glory among the nations, his wonders among all peoples, and greatly to be praised, he is feared of all gods. But the Lord made the heavens, honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Subscribe to the Lord, O families of the people. Subscribe to the Lord, glory and strength. Glory to his name. Bring in offering and come into his courts. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Tremble before him, all the May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you right now for your grace. Lord, I thank you for your strength. Holy Spirit, we just yield. We thank you that you are in this place. We, we yield to any manifestations that you decide to, to manifest yourself as. Lord, I thank you for your anointing to minister your word with power, with accuracy, with clarity. Slice, dice, cut this word up however many ways you have to cut it up to touch each and every one of us in a unique way. So we look to you. We give you the glory. We give you the honor and we give you the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. You can clap it up. Come on, show some love. (laughs) Well, we are beginning a brand new sermon series today on holiness. As for the next few weeks, we'll be taking a look at what a biblical view of holiness looks like. And today, we'll begin it in Psalms chapter 96, as we just saw, verses 1 through 9. But to understand the 96th Psalm in its context, we first must go back to 1 Chronicles chapters 14 and 15. It is important to understand the Bible in context because any text out of context can become a pretext. And you can make it say what you want it to say to do what you want it to do. So what is the context of Psalm 96? Well, I'm glad you asked. Well, in 1 Chronicles, we learn that the Philistines Um, had taken, they had stolen the Ark of the Covenant from the children of God. And, you know, the Philistines like, look, we're going to get this thing back to y'all. We stole it. We're giving it back. But in the midst of them giving it back, they decide to come and attack the children of Israel. So how are you going to steal something from me and then come and try to attack me? But this is what they did. So David sees the, uh, the Philistines coming at him, and he asks God, he said, Lord, what should we do? They're coming to attack us. And God said, look, 
I've given these busters over to you. I'm going to bless you, and you're going to whoop them. And God did, and David did, and they whooped them, and they beat the Philistines, and they beat them so powerfully that David called the name of that place Baal-perazim, which literally means God of the breakthrough or master of the breakthrough, because he said, my God has caused me to break through or to burst through my enemies. And here they are. They've got this breakthrough. And guess what happens right after they break through the enemy? The enemy comes right back. Isn't that like life sometimes? Isn't that like the enemy sometimes? You thought you had beat that diagnosis, but it came back again. You thought you had beat that loneliness, and the holiday's over, and you're still lonely. You thought you had beaten that depression, but you look up and you're still depressed. You thought you had beaten that debt. You were out of debt. Your needs were met. You had plenty more to put in store, but now you're back in debt up to your ankles upside down. So what do you do when you have experienced a breakthrough and that which you have broken through comes back to attack you? Well, you do exactly what David and them did. You ask God, you fight again, and you win again. Why do you win again? Because he is the God of the breakthrough. So it don't matter how many times he has to get you to breakthrough because he's going to get you to victory because he always causes you to triumph. He is the God of the breakthrough. So you got to get the picture here. God then caused them to beat the enemy twice, and they got the Ark of the Covenant back. So they throwing a party. They having a celebration. Oh, they got cool in the game going. Celebrate good times. Come on. Doom, 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 doom. They throwing a party. They got a DJ out there. They got two pianos. They got Alicia Keys on one. They got Stevie Wonder. Stevie on the piano. And he got his harmonica. I mean, they throwing a party. They got drummers. And they got bass players. And they got singers. And they're celebrating and thanking God for his power and his wonder, and they can see him clearly for who he is because they're celebrating from a place of victory. And as they begin to sing, the first part of what they sing can be found in Psalm 105, and the last part of what they sing can be found in Psalm 106, but right dab smack in the middle, they sing this masterpiece psalm of thanksgiving, of praise to their king, and it's Psalm 96. And if we had to put a title on this track that they're singing, we could sum it up in these three words. It is this, God is holy. And as we look at this text in Psalm 96, we'll begin to see not only that God is holy, and not only that God is majestic, not only that God is full of splendor, but how might we respond to such a holy God? And this text shows us three ways. One is to sing. Everybody say to sing. sing. The next one is to declare. Everybody say to declare. Sing. And the third one is to ascribe. Everybody say ascribe. Sing. To sing, to declare, to ascribe. We'll look at these each in turn. And Oh, my, did my ring fall off? Can't have that fall off now. I am happily married for the last 10 years to Brandilyn Green. <laughs> to sing to declare, to ascribe. We'll look at each of these in turn. Let's begin with this first one to sing. Look what the text says in Psalm 96, verses 1 through 2. It says this. It says, sing to the Lord a new song. Everybody say a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day. Now, look what he says here. 
he says to sing to the Lord a new song. Now, the first thing we see in this text is that your song and your singing ain't to each other. Your singing is to him. You ever been in the car worshiping at the stoplight, put your hands up, people are like, hey, how you doing? I ain't waving to you. I'm praising God. Your song and your singing is to God. But now watch this. What should we sing? He said a new song. The word new in the Hebrew can be translated a number of ways. It means new, but it also means to repair. It means to restore. It means to, uh, it means renew, but it also means fresh. But now watch this. A new song is not always a brand new song. As one commentator said, you can have an old song that's been remixed, that's been sung by a different people in a different context, and it can make it a new song. A few years ago, one of our kids was watching this Trolls cartoon movie, and uh, there was this song on there by Justin Timberlake he was singing called September. Like, Bonnie, said, do you remember? They were telling me this was a new song. I said, that ain't no new song. That's Earth, Wind, and Fire, 1978. What you talking about? But for them, it was a new song because it was sang in a different context by a different people, and it made it a new song. So while you may have sang Great is Thy Faithfulness, you might have sang Holy, Holy, Holy. You might have sang Amazing Grace. When you sing it under a different context, in a different reality, God can take what was an old song and turn it into a new song, and it will begin to refresh you. It will begin to repair you. It will begin to restore you as you sing a new song. But now this word in the Hebrew, it also means fresh. Everybody say fresh. Now, watch this. Let me illustrate this for you. Hand me that, Pastor Corey. Thank you. Give it up for Pastor Corey. All right. Now, this is not a trick question, but do y'all know what this is in the bag? It's bread. Come on now. It's bread. It's not a magic trick. It's bread. But now watch this. Do both of these pieces of bread look the same? They do. They look exactly the same. But now here's the thing. This bread in my left hand, I just got this out the bag. It's nice and fresh. But this bread in my right hand is actually stale. We got fresh and we got stale. Even though they look the same on the outside, they're actually different on the inside because the stale piece of bread has shifted its molecular structure. It actually has more bacteria on it. It ain't molded just yet. But the thing that makes bread fresh versus making it stale is that the, the stale bread has lost its moisture. It's lost its saturation. And because it's lost its saturation, it's stale. But now here's the thing you would not be able to tell if it was fresh or if it was stale unless you consumed it. And the question is, if God consumed your praise, if God consumed your song, would it be fresh or would it be stale like this bread? If God consumed your worship, if God consumed your prayers, would it be stale or would it be fresh? And the truth of the matter, we were honest. I ain't going to say we, if I'm honest. There have been seasons of my life where my time in the Word has been stale in the mug. There have been seasons in my life where my time of prayer has been stale. There have been seasons of my life where my time in, in Christian community, it wasn't fresh, it was stale. But here's the good news. 
Did you know that you can take a stale piece of bread and revive it and make it fresh again? Sure can. Somebody say, how you do it? I'm glad you asked. Look at verse 2. He's going to give us some insight. Look what he says here in verse number 2. He says, sing to the Lord. And then he says this. Watch this. He says, bless his name. Everybody say, bless his name. The, the Hebrew word for bless is the word barak. And it can be translated as praise. It can be translated as bless. But this word, it, it means to kneel. It gives a picture of a knee. Now, here's the thing about the Hebrew language. The 22 letters of the Hebrew language all correspond to a picture. So the Hebrew language is a pictorial language. This is oftentimes where you, I'll be teaching or something, you hear me say, it gives the picture of such and such because they thought in pictures. But when we think about the word Barak, yes, it means to kneel. In one sense, it is, a, it is an outward display of an inward reorientation of you going lower to look up and see this God who is so, so much bigger than you. But the actual three letters of the Hebrew, when you put it together and put the picture together, the word to bless, it literally gives the picture of someone opening up their house to give whoever's coming in full access to whatever's in their house. In our modern culture, it would be the picture of someone knocking at your door, and you open the front door with one hand, and then with the other hand with your palm wide open, you say, come on in. In other words, to, to bless, it means not only to kneel and change your spiritual posture, but it's to open yourself up so that the King of kings, that the Lord of glories, that the blesser himself can come in and have full reign over your life, to have full reign over your mind, to have full reign over your finances and over your family and over your career. It is saying, I am opening the door for the master bread maker to take that which was stale, and to put his moisture on it, to put his saturation on it, to turn that which was stale into something that is fresh. But you got to open yourself up for the king of glory to come on in. And when you realize that you don't have the infrastructure to turn something stale into fresh again, you better bless his name. You bless his name, and you just open on up and say, come on in and have your way. And so he says, we are to sing a new song, and as we sing to him, it strengthens us, it repairs us, and it can take that which was stale, and it can make it fresh again. Why? Because he is holy. But not only are we to sing, the text goes on and says to declare Everybody say declare. Let's go back into the text. Look what it says here. In verse 3 it says, Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. Now, the word glory, kabod, it literally means like heaviness and weightiness and the splendor of God. And yeah, all those things are true. And I think Exodus chapter 33 gives us some insight to break it down even further into like, what does glory mean? In Exodus chapter 33, verse 18, Moses asked God a profound question. He says this, Lord, show me your glory. God said, oh, sicky, sicky now. You don't know what you're asking for now here, bro. You sure you want to see this? He says, show me your glory and watch how God responds. Verse 19 says, and the Lord said, 
I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. Now, hold up. Moses asked to see the glory, but God showed him his goodness. Moses said, show me all your glory, and God said, I'm going to show you all your goodness. In other words, if you have ever seen the goodness of God, you've seen the glory of God. But now watch this. He says to declare his glory. The word declare in the Hebrew, it literally means to count or to recount. So in other words, what he's saying here is, I need you to go back and to count and recount how good the Lord has been to you. Oh, come on, somebody. We used to say back in the day to old church, sometimes you got to count your blessings. You got to write them jokers down one by one because God has been good to you. He's been good that he's healed you. He's been good that he saved you. He's been good that he redeemed you. God is a good God. He doesn't have goodness. He is good. He is a good God. And just because there's an overcast and there are clouds doesn't mean that the sun doesn't come out every day. The sun is a constant in the solar system. And just because there's an overcloud and there was an overcast doesn't mean that the sun is out. Listen to me, honey. Just because there's an overcast of guilt, just because there's the clouds of doubt, just because there's an overclass of overcast of redemption doesn't mean that God is not good. His goodness is there. It's shining to you. And sometimes you got to go back and count them over again because God has been good. And you say, my life is not good right now. David said the same thing in Psalm 27, but he said, you know what? I would have fainted. I would have given up, except I believe to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Not in the sweet by and by, not on the other side of Jordan River, but right here, right now, I'm believing to see the goodness of God in my marriage, the goodness of God in my community, the goodness of God in my church, the goodness of God in my body. I'm believing to see it, even though it looks bad. I'm believing to see the goodness. And will you believe to see a good God show you goodness in your life. Woo-hoo! I receive it. I'm looking for the goodness. The Bible says this. Good, blue, blue, blue. Psalm 23 says, Surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Follow is the Hebrew word means to be in hot pursuit, honey. God's goodness is following you. It's pursuing you, ready to run you over. Will you yield? Will you pause? Will you stop? And will you recount the goodness of God towards you? May not be where you want to be, but he's still good. May not have pictured your life at this stage, but he's still good. Didn't know that was going to happen, but he's still good. God is good. And he's telling us to declare it, to count it again, that he's good. Was it Shirley Caesar had a song say, when I look back over my life. Oh, come on, here's somebody. Oh, y'all going to make me get happy. I'm already happy. Because I know what I deserve. I know what I have done. But I know how good he has been to Terrence Green. Come on. But he said to declare. But now watch this. He keeps going. Let's go to verse 6. Look what else he says here that we to declare. He says, honor and majesty are before him. And he says, strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Now, this is interesting. 
He says that strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. The word sanctuary, it literally means set apart. It means holy. But that particular Hebrew word describes a physical location or place. But here's the thing. That Hebrew word is rooted in the Hebrew word where we get the translation of holy. Or it literally means in the Hebrew to mean set apart or set apartness. It means holy. So in other words, what he's saying here, he's saying that there's strength and beauty in his sanctuary. Or you can translate it like this. Strength and beauty are in his holiness. I know you look good and I know you strong. But your strength and your beauty can't make you holy. It is his strength and his beauty that is connected to his holiness that gives you the power that you need to go and do what you need to do. I know you got your degrees. I know you got you been doing good. You got your networks. But your true source of strength, your true source of power comes from his holiness. Why? Because he is set apart on such a high level that nobody can touch that when you get connected to the one that is set apart, he sets you apart with a strength that you can get from your intellect. He set you apart from a strength that you can get from all your exercise. He set you aside with a strength that is not by might. It's not by power, but it's by his spirit. But when you try to become holy in your own strength and in your own beauty, it leaves you holy. It leaves you gapped. It leaves you with all these fractures. But once you realize that the strength that you have, once you realize that the beauty that you have, it is found in him, you got to lift your hands to a holy God because it's in his holiness that you have strength and that you have beauty. And so he says here, not only are we to just to, to, to sing, we're not just to declare, but this third thing he says to ascribe. Let's go back into the text. Look what he says here in verses seven and eight. He says, ascribe to the Lord. Everybody say ascribe. O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Verse 8 says this. Give to the Lord the glory that's due his name. Everybody say, give to the Lord the glory that's due his name. And then he says, bring an offering and come into his courts. Now, the word ascribe, it just, it literally means to give. But now what's interesting in verse 8, he says to Give to the Lord the glory that is due to his name. When I think about that particular text, that part of the scripture, I'm reminded about this, uh, this very popular uh, tele- radio show that comes on YouTube and uh, on social media called A Breakfast Club. And uh, there was this one particular interview a few years ago on The Breakfast Club with a uh, rapper, producer uh, by the name of Birdman. So like Birdman, you know, from New Orleans, from Louisiana, he's been in the game for a minute, you feel me? Cash money records, come on. He, he if you, you know Nicki Minaj, you know uh, Drake, you know Lil Wayne, you know uh, Juvenile, like he produced all them. So he not no lightweight producer, you feel me? So they get into this interview on The Breakfast Club and in particular, one of the main, the lead host, guy named Charlemagne, is asking Birdman these weak questions. And Birdman, like, you know, he's like, look, don't ask me no more of these little weak questions. I ain't no Rudy Poot. I ain't no Neophyte. Come on, what you talking about? And 
Charlemagne asked him one more question. Birdman took off his, his sunglasses, and he says this phrase that hollows throughout black culture. It hollows throughout black vernacular ever since. Birdman looked at Charlemagne, and he said, you better put some respect on my name. He didn't say respect like Aretha, R-E-S-P-E-C-T. He said R-E-S-P-E-C-K. He said, you better put some respect on my name. He said, boy, you know who you messing with. I ain't no beginner. You better put some respect on my name. I ain't just getting going in this. I've been doing this. I ain't new to this. I'm true to this. He said, you better put some respect on my name. And when I think about that, I'm reminded of when we're hiring people for a new job, what we do is we look at their resumes. In academia, we look at their CVs because we're trying to understand if their history is any indication that they have the capacity or the potential to do the job right now and in the future. And so we look at their resumes to see if they have the potential to do what we're asking them to do in the future. Well, I don't know if you have taken a look at God's resume, but if you haven't, you need to put some respect on his name. His resume showed us that he split the Red Sea to bring his people out of slavery and to take them into the promised land. His resume shows that he closed the mouths of the lion, that he stepped in the fiery furnace as the fourth man. He caused water to come out of rock. He walked on the water. He killed death, hell in the grave. He calmed the storm. He fed the multitudes. You better put some respect on his name. And because he is so great, he ain't just got one name. He got a whole bunch of names. Some call him Jehovah Jireh. He is my provider. I could preach this thing right here. Some call him Jehovah Nisi. He is your victory. Some call him Jehovah Tiskanu. He is your righteousness. Some call him Jehovah Shalom. He is your peace. Some call him the great I am. Why? Because you got to put some respect on his name. You got to bless his name. You got to give him glory because he is Jehovah Rapha, the God who still heals you. You got to put some respect on his name. But now here's the thing. Paul writes to the book, of, to the church at Ephesus, and he says, Jesus, you sure enough got to put some respect on his name. Why? Because he has been given a name, come on here, that's above Every name that is named. Death is a name, but the name of Jesus is higher. Divorce is a name, but the name of Jesus is higher. Regret is a name, but the name of Jesus is higher. Racism, oppression, sexism, division, those are all names, but the name of Jesus is higher. And you got to put some respect on his name. Woo! Then when you begin to bless his name, you begin to see that a holy God has set you not aside, but he set you apart to do his work, and you got to put some respect on his name. So we've been called to not just sing. We've been called to not just declare, but we've been called to give him the glory that's due his name. And so we sing, you are holy. You are holy forever. The angels go all around the throne, and they've been doing it, and they just say, holy, 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 and they realize we got to bless his holy name. Did you get something out of that? Did you get something? Let's pray. Well, Father, 
In the name of Jesus, I just thank you right now that you are holy. You are holy. Lord, you are bigger. You are stronger. You are greater. You are the undisputed, undefeated champion of all time. And we thank you. We thank you, Jesus, that your name is higher, that your name is greater. We thank you, holy God. I want to pray real quickly. If you are here today, why every head is bowed, every eye is closed. If you just feel like you're in a season of like staleness, you just feel like it's stale. You feel like I'm going through the motions. It's a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, you just feel like I need fresh. And this is a fresh year. We want you to start fresh. If that's you, I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. Just slip your hand up. I see that hand. You can put it down. I see all those hands. You can put them down. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. I see that hands. You can put them down. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else before I pray? I see those hands. Yep. Thank you, Jesus. Glory, glory, glory. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for a fresh touch of your presence in the lives of all of us, Lord God, that you will saturate with your presence and with your goodness, with your peace, with your still small voice that will calm the raging sea, Lord, I pray that you would do something in our lives that only you can do. And Lord, not that this freshness will be for a season or you said that your favor endures for a lifetime. Lord, that your lifetime of freshness, your brand new mercies every morning. I ask for a fresh touch. Not yesterday's manna, not last week's manna, but a fresh flow of your word. So Lord, we thank you for it. We give you the praise for it. And we look to you because you are the holy God. And we bless your name. And we thank you for your freshness. And as we begin to bless you, to open up, Lord, that you move throughout the cracks and the crevices and the unturned rocks, that you will bring life in places where there is death, Lord God, that you will permeate with your freshness. We give you the glory. We give you the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. For more info about how to get and stay connected to Mosaic Church, please visit us online at www.mosaicchurchaustin.com or download our app from your app store.